This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Sci-Fi and Scream Undead, a podcast of Joy 94.9 with Sonya the Squeamer and Clay Talks. The world is coming undone. Imperial flags reign across the galaxy. Can you be trusted without your shackles? Let's just get this over with, shall we? We have a mission for you. A major weapons test is imminent. We need to know how to destroy it. If you're really doing this, I want to help. Good. Good. I've been recruiting through the rebellion for a long time. We destroyed our home. I fight the Empire now. I fear nothing. All is as the Force wills it. The captain says you are a friend. I will not kill you. Thanks. There isn't much time. Every day they grow stronger. There's a 97.6% chance of failure. He means well. This is our chance to make a real difference. Are you with me? Sci-Fi and Squeam, Undead, is back alive. Yes, it's been a little while, but we've dug ourselves up. And yeah, we've it, yeah, wiped off the soiled parts. Yeah, put the animation flu- reanimation fluid pumping through our veins. Mm. How have you been? Oh, <laughs> almost close to dead, but... Yes. Anyway. Yes, it is that time of year when everything gets, gets a bit busy. It gets a bit crazy, and so many things happening. But of course, the big one... The big one, December, was it 16th or 17th? 16th, out? I believe. 16th. Oh, uh, 15th. Mm. Yeah. Well, last year it was the 17th for the other one. For the other one. Mm. The Force Awakens, mm. we're talking about. So, 
It's all on again. This one Mm -hmm. is Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which kind of sounds like a Christmas story anyway. (laughs) But it is... You saw it? Just in time for Christmas. Yeah, you've seen it. Mm -hmm. We didn't see it together, but we did see it. Simply, you can call it Rogue One. Mm -hmm. So, sci-fi and screams going rogue. Oh, nice. Do you like that? Yeah, that's good. I might call the podcast that. Going rogue. (laughs) Going rogue with the old gang. Yes, so Rogue One, 2016, epic space opera. Oh, nice. As it's called. It's kind of like a satellite, I guess you call it. A pre Not a prequel, but a preliminary story that leads to number uh, four, four, A New Hope, Mm. and uh, part of that build-up. It's actually based on the prologue of A New Hope. Yeah, which is a tiny, like a couple of sentences. Yeah, but we somehow got a whole film out of it, so that's great. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, Gareth Edwards, he of Godzilla fame, Mm. the more recent uh, reimagining of it. Monsters 2? Uh, monster or oh, monsters? Monsters, not monsters too, because I was no monsters <laughs> as well. Um, sort of independent film and um, fantastic independent film. Oh, you can actually search back in time on the Sci-Fi and Squeam podcast and find my interview with Gareth Edwards from around 2010. Okay, so it's nice. going back into the last century. Well, anyone you interview just becomes big time. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should interview myself. <laughs> maybe. Give it a try and see how it goes. <laughs> well, anyway, look, this is written by Chris Feitz and Tony Gilroy. Uh, stories by John Nolan and Gary Witter. I think that's how you say his name. This is a standalone film, of course, part of the Star Wars anthology series. So there's going to be a whole bunch. There's one about uh, young Han Solo and Lando Calrissian coming up. Is there one about the young Chewbacca? I would like to. Wookiee. Yeah. I'd love that. I'd love that. There actually is a film that's on what they call the um, Hollywood black market, but it's not really black market, but mm. on uh, a script that is available for people to throw money at and produce, and I think it's just called Chewbacca. And it's basically based on Peter Mayhew's experiences as Chewbacca in the first couple of films. Okay. Nice. But, of course, it's a film that could never be, may never be made. Well, hopefully they decide... <laughs> As I just knock my microphone off. <laughs> Look. So it's a biopic. Uh, hopefully they decide to include uh, how Han and Chewie I'm met. sure they will. Because the to. new Han Solo, yeah. It could very well be. There's a lot to explore there, I guess. Yeah. From the days on Kaishek and how he came across the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. But we can only... Uh, this is just conjecture. It is. It, it's not based on anything. It's nothing to do with Rogue One. Yeah, but so anyway. let's go back to Rogue One, shall we? Shall we? <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, yes. Produced by Kathleen Kennedy, Alison Shamur and Simon Emanuel. Um, based on the characters by Mr. George Lucas, of course. This is Disney um, trying to venture, I think, into the more grown-up, as I call it, the grown-up Star Wars. So, spoilers ahead. Spoil away. Are we? Just saying. Well, okay. well, we'll keep it as minor hard. as we possibly as we can. Hard not to yeah, with some of the content. Yeah. So as always, just make sure you've seen the film before you listen to us. <laughs> well, if you like, <laughs> yeah. If you like. The good thing about this too, which is interesting, is that um, principal photography. They did do some of the filming at Elstree Studios, and of course, that is famous for where the original New Hope was filmed okay. in 1976 in in Britain. Elstree Studios is very famous for a lot of. Um, I guess Hammer Films going back in the day and Pinewood Studios and uh, brings us to the re-emergence of one of the characters, someone who's been dead for 22 years in real life, Peter Cushing. I love Peter Cushing. Returns as the Grand Moth Tarkin. 
most sinister imperial person in the film. I, what? I missed this entirely. Like You did see Rogue One, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, isn't that called a Force Awakens? No, I saw Rogue no. One. <laughs> Grand Moff Tarkin. Okay, yeah. Okay. You remember The New Hope? He's he's the really nasty human villain. Yeah, yeah, who's, sure. Who's uh, sort of like, when there's a Darth Vader moment... There's Peter Cushing, Grand Moff Tarkin. He's the one that has Princess Leia arrested and tortured. It's him that instigates a lot of the nasty stuff that happens and gets his comeuppance. But the man's been dead. This wonderful man, as I said, appears in Hammer films. Uh, So there's that link. Um, Because let's face it, British make great villains, don't they? They do. In most films. As a general rule. As a general rule. So yes, he returns from the dead. Okay. Nice. As a computerised puppet modelled on a human actor, and it's quite uh, stunning and, and quite terrifying, some people are saying. Okay. To see uh, a man who's been dead for 22 years reanimated, basically. Oh, this undead. One. Undead. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So, what's Rogue One all about? Do we want to go into a bit of the plot line? Might help. Uh, a I'll young. You tackle that. Oh, that's what I assumed you do. Well, you're you good it. at that sort of stuff because you're a teacher and okay. you know how to go from one step. You know, um, what do you call it? Chronological. Uh, um, logistically, chronologically. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, young Jin Erisu, Erso, Erso, yep, uh, is escaping her family's curse of being smart, <laughs> so uh, and being able to fix the and create the Death Star. So she gets away from her family and is raised by Forrest Whitaker's character, Saw Guerrera, mm. which is, um, it has a bit of a transition through the film. Sounds a bit like Che Guevara. Yeah, it does very much sound like that, which I don't think is accidental. No, Che Guevara wasn't a very nice person, but anyway. They, they certainly, um... Well, neither is Forrest Whitaker's character. No, person. not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly the means don't necessarily justify the end. He's kind of like a militia runaway mercenary, isn't he? Mm, yeah. His character. So mm. when she grows up, the rebels start looking for her. And when they find her, in order to use her to find her own father, mm. to kill her father. And so they send her on a mission to basically, she thinks, to rescue her father. Mm. But the actual mission is to kill her father. Uh, of course, that's Mads. Mads, Mads Mickelson. Mil- we know him from, of course. Um, what are you doing? Oh, Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> what are you eating? A bit of Chianti, a little bit of beans. Um, yeah, played by the wonderful. Um, yeah, as we Mads mentioned, Mads, Wilson. and he is um, Garland, Garland Urso, mm-hmm. and uh, he's conflicted certainly as a character, a minor character, but pretty much what the whole film revolves around is his fate. And the fate of many planets in the galaxy, and the fate of the uh, Empire and the Alliance, because the Rebel Alliance, because he's made the super weapon. Yeah, and this, this is our first. Is not a moon. No, That's no, no moon. No. Death Star. Death Star. Exactly. Uh, the first spoiler being that he is the one who builds the fault into the Death Star that allows mm. for the events the of the New Hope. Yes. Yeah. Those plans. Those droids. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, it's... Still love droids. <laughs> I think the droids are always the highlight of a Star Wars film. Well, what I like in this one, too, is there is a really interesting droid in this one, and that's K2-Stay, mm-hmm. um, or K2-SO, but mm-hmm. I think it's Tuesday or something pronounced. It's played by the wonderful Alan uh, Tudyk, um, who, who we know from um, Serenity and Firefly series as yeah. Wash. 
Washbourne, the uh, pilot, uh, Hoban Washbourne. Um, he's an honest droid. He, ta- he says exactly what well, comes into his mind. Well, he's an Imperial droid, he and he's been stolen and reprogrammed by the Rebel Alliance and works for them now on that side. And uh, he's, yeah, he's straightforward, honest. He's a little bit like C-3PO as he's very matter-of-fact and mm-hmm. he's got, you know, the protocol sort of side to him and he's quite cynical. But he's also quite untrusting. I, I'm not trustworthy. Yeah. I don't trust him as a character and that's what I liked about that Absolutely. character. Absolutely. You, you don't know really exactly works. what's going to happen with him. He could turn, but he's got those sort of lovable, cheeky eyes, but he's quite menacing and, like, they don't allow him to have weapons as such. Does he? He's not supposed to carry a blaster. Yeah, it's not until later, yeah. But yeah. Uh, with great lines like, I'll, I'll be with you, Jim. Cassian said I had to. Like, mm. just things like that, just popping up throughout. He just has and fantastic Cassian lines. And Cassian is the um, Piebo, uh, wonderful Diego Luna, who incidentally uh, plays opposite uh, Gail Bernal in, um, oh, what is it called? Diaries, uh, Che Guevara's Diaries, the uh, Motorcycle Diaries. Gail Garcia Bernal. Yes, way back. Um, he's a Mexican, of descent Mexican actor. Um, he plays um, Rebel Alliance intelligence officer, spy, basically. Yeah. Uh, Cassian and Andor? Andor. Andor. Not to be, not to be confused with Andor. Uh, yeah, well, no. We don't, get, we don't want to blow up no the wrong Ewoks thing, do we? In this one. Uh, and we've also got in there Ben Mendelsohn playing mm. Orson Krennic. Yeah, he's. Um, Australians are now the new evil. Mm hmm. In uh, cinema, replacing I think. the British, they replace the British. It makes sense, mm-hmm. yep. you know. A good convict stock, although I don't think he is Ben Mendelssohn. He's actually related to Mendelssohn, the composer, oh, the okay. German composer. Mm-hmm. But isn't he frightful? In Absolutely, this? he's frightfully he's delightful. He looks really pale, yeah. like like corpse-like, and his skin he, looks, he looks really well like he looks ill and very uh, repressed and he's very sinister. I really liked this character. I think if the two standout characters for me would be um, Alan Tudyk's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, android K2SO and Ben Mendelsohn's um, evil character. So, um, yeah, I'm quite impressed with those two. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, so, look, it's it's one of the big ones for... definitely big ones for this year. It's... Mm, it's... Budget was two hundred million and it's already made back two fifty. Okay, so it's so gonna be fine. It's it's a low budget yeah. and really and we're this respect. not going to be seeing a sequel though. <laughs> Just <laughs> for, no, for obvious s- reasons. Maybe there'll be pre 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 Do we call them pre pre pre? Jin's days with Saw. Yeah, look, another thing that I guess. Look, a few months ago, it was announced that Disney Studios wasn't happy with the ending, wasn't happy with some of the basic parts of the film. So we don't know what's been altered or changed, but I would suggest the ending has. Uh, Without spoiling it too much, I found that to be a problem because it was very much a very predictable ending, to be honest. Um, I mean the last couple of minutes. It was very predictable. And it felt kind of rushed in that respect to try and tie up everything quickly. There's some great little cameos, if you can call it. Definitely. Um, computerized ones. Uh, without giving too much away. But there's but a very great... Well, very, very well done computer cameos, though. Oh, yeah. It, it looks spectacular. Yeah. The choreography uh, of the last five minutes was pretty amazing. All to do with information, the blueprints. The... We don't see the you know, 3PO and R2, but we know the droids are there somewhere. And they match perfectly the opening scenes of number four 
uh, Star Wars A New Hope from 77. It just takes you back. Look, this is a great sentimental nostalgic trip for those people who saw the original Star Wars in the day, on the, you know, during that era. Uh, I say that because of the look of the film. It really is a revisitation for me for the old school Star Wars, from the, particularly the colorization of the film, the depiction of the scenes and people, and a very tainted, almost old world, browned out tone, just like an old 70s film that you're watching 20 or 30 years later. It will be 40 years since Star Wars was released next year in 2017. And I think in that respect, this film holds it well. What do you think? No, I was just going to add that Star Wars and I turn 40 at the same time. Wow, what are you going to do? You're going to have a big... I'm going to have a Star Wars party now. (laughs) You have to. Um, Yeah, look, the crowd scenes are... I really did love the first... Ooh, 30 minutes of this film I really enjoyed it simply for that nostalgia and that trip down to the detail down to the colorization as I mentioned before the planet Jetta very reminiscent of Tatooine from you know number four uh, New Hope um, it's a bit like watching Polaroids moving uh, we see the riffraff of those that we know from the cantina scene there's actually a character I can't think of the name of the character that appears in number four that has his arm are taken off by young Luke Skywalker. No, no, sorry, by Ben Kenobi when they're in the cantina. And um, we see that very same pig face-like character walking through the, you know, the the crowded bazaar scenes where um, Diego um, Luna's character is up to no good. Like he's he's also cloaked in... um, Ambiguity and Absolutely. he's got some moral issues there. And uh, I think the uh, the character, mm. the monster, not monsters, aliens in this mm. <laughs> monsters is rude. Um, well, they're not aliens, are they? Can't be an alien when you're in your own space. Okay, the creatures that are non-human, human, in way. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're human or anyway, it's complicated. Yeah. I think they actually. <laughs> this is the film they look the best in. I think yeah, they actually right. look better than The Force Awakens, even they're and better than the prequels because the prequels were yeah. overdone and oh, like, they were too CGI too CGI and yeah. it doesn't work it might seem good on a computer screen but yeah, on a big screen Oof. oh we don't I thought we were going to not talk about Jar Jar but <laughs> never mind look um, Alan Tudyk is saying that he is not the new Jar Jar okay oh no that, this that character is, is wonderful n- is darker than that and, and that's dirty the whole to, film is a mm. very very dark Star it's Wars dirty, it's dirty there's grimy. a little bit of things to lift up which was so necessary if we didn't have those little lines yep. it would have just been too dark but yeah. yeah, it's very, very dark Star Wars. Yeah, it really isn't a Disney film <laughs> in some respect. I can see why they wanted to change some yeah. of the ending, but it's not really a Disney film. It shouldn't be. It doesn't feel like it's more of a Disney Steven Spielberg anyway, film. So. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like Saving Private Urso. Yeah, you know, yes. it's it's got these beach um, war in the Pacific type of American film. You know, you think it's uh, Iwo Jima. Is it Iwo Jima? Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. You know, I'm waiting for the flag Letters raising to happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for that to happen. So it, it reminded me a bit of Spielberg, actually, with the attention to detail um, with the weaponry and explosions and um, the grenades and how they work and uh, mix that with some wonderful new kind of style of martial arts. Donnie Yen, of course, appears in this. Is it Yen or Yun? Uh, I don't know how I, I say it properly. I can't remember, actually. Um, he's almost as a Toki oh, yeah. uh, character. Actually, 
style of character. He plays um, a Chirrut Imwe. He's a blind uh, warrior, martial monk. arts warrior slash monk. The Force yeah, is with he, him. I had a bit of a bulletproof monk feel for yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it was Otoki. Yeah. Uh, I really liked his character a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I felt a very strong emotional attachment to his character and uh, Zhang Wen's character, or Bay's Malbus, who's sort of like his protector. Uh, there's kind of a... Not Laurel and Hardy because that's kind of cheap. Uh, there's there's a there's a dynamic between those two characters. You know they've got a history. Mm-hmm. One's completely blind and believes in blind faith, I suppose, and the other one goes, "Well, that's cool, but I'm there to look out for you." And he seems to cover him. Yeah, you know, making sure he's protected. So one can't really exist without the other. It's a really interesting. Well, there's people out there suggesting their boyfriends, which I think in its own way cheapens the relationship. Oh God, they've made Star Wars gay. Oh, I know again. How so, can they do that? What's next? Queers in space? I know, but there's like that's it's fine, but that's not an element of the film, and they can just actually have that good of friendship oh, and not alt- be. Like, Crooks, excuse me. Yeah. Those I don't know. bloody idiots. The Gamergate types are hating me. Yeah. That's got women and people of colour in it. Yeah, so. But yeah, they, they were really great characters together, and um, Donnie Yen does a great job of just portraying this blind person. He, mm. It's quite convincing that he is blind, mm. but with the ability to be aware of everything. What I loved Kicks about ass. him was we got a bit more of the background of the Jedi religion, or if you call it religion, but yeah, yeah. The Jedi faith. faith yeah. yeah. So we found out some more about <coughs> the temples and all these things that I don't really... Because it was on, as a Jedi? Jeddah, yeah. Sounds like Jedi, but Jeddah, yeah. oh. where they have the Kyber crystals. Of course, the Kyber crystals are the ones that are generate the um, very strong Sabres. evil, you know, laser beam from the Death Star, and of course the um, lightsabers mm. power of that. Yes. So. So I didn't. I didn't pay any attention to that in uh, the early just, Star Wars days, did you? No, and that's why I, I quite enjoyed it, because like, I actually enjoy learning about religion, mm. and real ones normally, but <laughs> so the occasional fake one. Oh, really? Yeah, because, um, so I, I enjoyed this, uh, yeah, good point. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed finding about this, the Jedi faith a bit more. So. Alright, so diversity. Uh, Throw that word at you. Bad. Diversity, I would say diversity for men. Yes. Yeah, very, you know, no. I mean, we've got this yeah. huge galaxy and it all says gender. It's all one sort of diversity. I mean, it's great to see people of colour and, and, you know, uh, seeing people from different backgrounds yeah. finally um, in space, taking up that space. But we only have one female, female character who is white. Yeah. And really pretty much... There's a black woman at some point in the film. Was there? Was there? I think, oh, yeah. she's a hologram. That's right. Uh, a slave dancer, forgot <laughs> yeah, her name, yeah, cool. from the uh, Jabba Hutt days. Yeah. Mm. And then, but there is a few other women in power, but they're still white as well. There's Mon Mothma. She's there. Yeah. The, She's also the, um, with the necklace. Yeah, Mon. Is Mon, that her? Okay. Is that Mon Mothma? No. Not sure. Um, Where's your Star Wars geek? I, I'm not a big Star Wars Clayton. geek. <laughs> I, I never have been. I'm, I'm pretending. Um, it's. Yeah, so I completely agree that the mm. female representation in this could have been miles better. Well, what if what if it had been just a, perhaps a, I don't know, a male, queer male protagonist, main person mm-hmm. instead to play Jin Urso? I mean, that doesn't have to be a female-specific gender name, does it? And then all the, um, you know, kick-ass crew squad could have been um, female of one persuasion, trans or whatever, yeah. um, non-binary crew. I mean, can we just 
Can we just move it? Can yeah. we move on? We can't necessarily tell you the know? gender of all the aliens. Uh, so, <laughs> but <laughs> there was a bit of a Cthulhu there. Is that who you say? I don't know. Sorry, Cthulhu? Yeah. With the octopus face? The oh, sort yeah, of yeah. like, you know, mm. I'm doing silly the finger, uh, finger things. But yeah, look, diversity, uh, still men, yeah. all men basically, but it is good to see um, at least they're of colour and background and ethnicity. Um, I really was hoping Forrest Whitaker's character had more grunt to it. I was disappointed. To, it, it seemed too short and he didn't seem like the sort of person to give up and I was a bit, a bit disappointed. Yeah. He wasn't in, in shot for long enough as far no, as I'm No, not concerned. at all. And the, the sort of, we had some Asian people in there, so that's something. Um, but mm. Asian men, as you say. Uh, and then, wasn't, apart from Forrest Whitaker, there wasn't really that many people of colour, like yeah. black people, yeah. more specific. Yeah. Um, so. The other thing that was good, though, about it, it did feel like it was 1976, 77. Just by looking at the fashion sense, yeah, sure. you know, the haircuts of the men were straight out of the 76 L Street, you know, textbook. They had sideburns and they did look the part. And again, a lot of English actors playing uh, people from the 70s mm-hmm. in a space movie yeah. set in God knows where in a galaxy far, far away. So that was clever and that worked well. And we did see some of those cameos as well. Uh, you might have noticed that... The, um, there was a couple of the pilots you probably remember from the original Star Wars. I don't know if they were CGI'd, but certainly there were actors who looked Very like them. Very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, did you notice that? Yeah. And it was exciting. Absolutely. During some of the, um, you know, the X-Wing fighting scenes against the TIE, fight se- TIE fighting scenes. And there were some female pilots too, which was good to see. But yes, I would have liked to have seen more backstory, more story about her actually about Felicity Jones' character, Jen. I just felt, I sort of felt she was a bit of a kick-ass sidekick and some sort of platform to say, hey, well, we've got a female lead. You know, she's not Ray, because to me it felt like Ray was a more fully rounded character. Yeah. She may have had even less screen time, Ray, from Force Awakens. I don't know. I haven't counted the time, but... um, If only she was Ray's mother. (laughs) I don't have to be related, but... (laughs) And they wouldn't be. No, that's no, totally no, spoiling. Definitely could it. not be. Um, just a, a background to uh, something I saw in the online news is that um, there's been some issues and problems with uh, toys being available. No, oh, again. Again, we don't you have get a the Jen Urso mm-hmm. character. <laughs> they haven't produced enough on T-shirts and things like that and other merchandise, and it's like, why? Like, why? Let's enable girls to spend their money on shit. Come yeah. on. How know? dare women Merchant. have heroes? How dare they have t-shirts that aren't pink? Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so Rogue One, it's one of the yeah, one of the big spin-offs satellite. The first of the big spin-offs. It is, yeah. Uh, what are you giving this? What are you thinking? I'm gonna go eight. You're hungry? No, actually, I am. But uh, eight out of t- I'm going eight, eight out of ten. <laughs> so. You don't see them eating in this film. No. Do people eat? I Before they go to war, one would think you'd have a few protein bars. Yeah, definitely. A barbecue. And my thing is always, so where's the bathroom on this little spaceship? So <laughs> <laughs> we're like... Just hope, open the hatch. Yeah. Hope for the best. Yeah, hope yeah. Cool. Yeah. And what are you giving up? Well, I'm going to be disappointing for people. I'm giving it a six Ooh. out of ten. Simply because, look... 
I'm not a big one on war movies. Me neither. This is a war movie, that's fine. Yeah. But it did feel like the pace was a bit clumsy and it felt like a bit of a rush towards the end. Like, let's get this goal and let's get the football down to the end of the other end of the, you know, the ballpark. It ticks those boxes of the things that we mentioned, but just the basic plot devices I felt was a bit hurried. Um, I actually think, and I don't know why this hasn't been done, but why don't they do these as series for Netflix or something like that? Oh, absolutely. It would be massive, and they probably wouldn't have to spend so much money, and they certainly wouldn't have to worry about promoting it. And they'd probably, over the long run, make more money. Yes, because the first 10 minutes or so, we see a lot of the uh, scenes where they're setting up this planet and that planet, and... And if you don't follow, I guess, the books and the comics, yeah. you might get a bit confused and lost. I had no idea what any of them were. I just yeah. like, okay, I'm just going to go with it. It's yeah, fine. yeah. But that was something I, I would have not maybe done mm-hmm. so much of or thought about perhaps in a different way. But I'm giving it 6 out of 10. Yeah, fair enough. It's out now everywhere. Yes. Walt Disney Studios. Everywhere, people's basements, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. we, do not, we do not condone watching this in a basement. Not at all. And um, Not le- for at least six months. So the next one will be number uh, eight, won't it? Not the spin-off, but the sequel to A Force Awakens, Awakens, I believe. So, yeah. All right. You have been listening to a podcast of Sci-Fi and Scream Undead. I am Clay Tox, Mm. which we probably should have said at the top of the hour, not the end of the year. And I'm Sonia Hammer. So we're both here. Sonia the Squeamer. The Force is with me. That's right. Is the Force with you? It depends. Nap time's with me. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've done that. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Daniels as C-3PO, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, R2-D2 as R2-D2, and James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader. Introducing Chewbacca's family. 
his wife, Mala. His father, Itchy. His son, Lumpy. With special guest stars, Beatrice Arthur. Art Carney. Diane Carroll. The Jefferson Starship. Harvey Corman. And an animated Star Wars story on the Star Wars Holiday Special. The Star Wars Holiday Special, sponsored by General Motors, people building transportation to serve people. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.